to I want to start off with one verse, um, a fairly notable verse. In fact, this was a uh, a part of the scripture reading this past week in the first week of Engage, and that is Psalms ninety one and verse number one, and it simply says, "He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under." the shadow of the Almighty. And then there's a, a newer translation. I've heard my dad use it. I've heard Brother Shelton use it a couple of times now. And, and I've started referencing it. And uh, I, I, I like the way it says some things. And that's the Passion Translation. And uh, it says that verse this way. When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. <clears throat> he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I believe, in essence, what the psalmist is talking about there is simply the presence of God. In fact, I think I could say that verse this way and it'd be completely in line with what this verse is saying. He that dwelleth in the presence of the Most High. The word dwelleth there in the Hebrew means this. Properly, it means to sit down. By implication, to dwell, to remain. And then I found this part of the definition to be kind of interesting. Causatively, it means to settle. And then this part, to marry. When you, when you move from a dating relationship into marriage, you are, you are entering in to what, from the, the Word of God's perspective in this life, is supposed to be a lasting thing. That's why in a, in a marriage ceremony, wedding vows, we, we say, till death do us part. That uh, when we enter the, the relationship of marriage, when we enter the covenant of marriage, it is something that we are not entering into with an expected uh, end to that. The only thing that is supposed to end marriage is death. And, and, and so... This, this dwelling in the secret place or this dwelling in the presence of God. Again, it's not about when we come together for a church service. It's not about when you come together for an oikos gathering. It's, it's not about when you come together for a prayer meeting. It's not just about your own personal time of, of prayer and devotion. But, but the idea, and I believe part of what the Spirit of the Lord would like to get across to us this week is engaging his presence really it's a it's more about a lifestyle it's a way of living he that dwelleth he that that sits down he that stays in the secret place of the most high there's there's a difference to me between uh, the the fact that we know that God fills all space. God fills all space. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. But but there is, I believe, there's a difference between God's presence filling all space and and the the sort of the manifested presence of God. And 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 I I, I think of that in in this context. This is the analogy that always comes to mind. Um, with that. Right now, my wife is in the same house that I'm in. We are, we are currently in the same house. And, and, and that's sort of to me like the idea of the sort of the omnipresence of God. He's, he's there. He's always there. But there is a big difference between the circumstances right now where she is in a completely different room versus when we are sitting down face-to-face, -face, communicating, or sitting next to each other, holding hands, an arm around her. There, there is a big difference between that. In our, in our previous house, uh, my chair was kind of around the corner from the kitchen, 
and uh, sometimes she would be cooking and talking to me and uh, all of a sudden she'd almost in mid-sentence go silence, silent. And uh, the reason was because she had sort of reached the point that she was no longer content to talk to me without seeing me, without being able to engage. Our, our house now, it's, it's a similar thing. It's kind of around the corner. In fact, it's a little bit more blocked. My chair is a little bit more blocked from the kitchen here than the kitchen in the other house, even though it's smaller. And, and so um, I have learned, I don't always remember to do it, but I have learned uh, more frequently now that when she starts talking to me, while she's cooking from the ki the kitchen, that um, I think she gives me a space of grace to uh, to relocate from um, listening, and I'm listening. I know exactly what she's saying. I can repeat what she's saying, but it's it's not good enough. And I think that's a God designed thing. And to me, that's kind of the difference between yes, God is everywhere versus. Uh, the manifestation of the presence of God. And, that, and that's part of the reason why I believe we worship, we, we praise, is because it's, it's more than just God is everywhere. That's why, and I know some uh, sort of have an issue or, or make an issue out of this statement, and I respect that, but that's why there have been times, and I probably will say this in the future, and in some kind of a, whether it's a church service setting or some other kind of ministry setting of, of God, we welcome you here today. You say, well, he's already here. We don't need to welcome him. I, I, in, in, in one context, absolutely, he's already here. We, but in another context, what I'm saying by that is, God, it's not good enough to me just to, it's not good enough for me to just know that yes, you spill, you fill, spill too, I guess, you fill all space. Not only does he fill all space, he fills all time. But, but there's, again, there's a big difference between knowing and believing God is everywhere all the time and, and, and actually engaging with his presence. Psalms 100, I referenced this verse already. In Psalms 100, verse number 4, says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Praise and worship. Singing as a part of that, because again, singing is not the way we worship. It's not the way we praise. Singing is just one of the vehicles by which we praise. But we don't do that out of, out of a religious tradition. I, I feel like sometimes people view, especially in a church service, well, we, we start off singing every service because that's what you do in a church service. To me, it's not about that's what you do in a church service. It's about the fact that we get into his presence with thanksgiving. We get into his courts with praise. Again, the passage, or excuse me, the Passion Translation says that verse this way. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. And now watch this. In the Passion Translation, the word presence is actually in this verse. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. Both of those words um, in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the King James, his gates and his courts, those are representative of, 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 of where he is, of where his presence is. And we get into it through our praise and through our worship. Uh, again, to this idea this morning and this week of the presence of God being so much more than just a feeling in, in a church service, in a prayer meeting, in a small group gathering, in a conference, whatever. 
It's more about the awareness and the confidence that God's presence is truly with me everywhere I go. I, I think it was the psalmist that said it. I think David said it. Uh, where, where can I go to get away from your presence? If you read that psalm, I don't think David was asking the question because he was trying to find out or wanting to know, how can I get away from you, God? He, he actually was trying to, to demonstrate, it doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter what, in fact, I think it's in that psalm where he says, if I make my bed in hell, <laughs> you're, you're there. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my circumstances are, you can be with me. And, and so there's a, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of places, a couple of verses I want to read to you that, that I want to challenge you this morning, and I would venture to say most of you've heard each one of these verses that I'm about to read, but, but I want to challenge you today to get a fresh grip on them and, and to, to mix them with faith. And, and I'm not saying there won't be times where we still have sort of our ups and downs because we're human beings. It, it, I guess it kind of reminds me of the conversation on grief this week. When someone's going through that process, there's days in which everything seems fine. They feel like they're good. They feel like everything's okay. And then sometimes all of a sudden out of nowhere, uh, the, those feelings hit them again. I don't think we ever reach the point in our relationship with God and our walk with God on this earth where we have it all down and everything is just good from here on out. It, it, that, that's, to me, part of the reason or part of what Paul was saying when he says, the things I should do, I don't do, and the things I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. I, I believe that's a challenge that we face on a consistent basis in our walk with God. That's not to be an excuse or a cop-out for that. It's just to have realistic expectations. I'm never going to get this down perfectly. So listen to, listen to a couple of these places, a couple of these promises. Matthew 28 and 20. Jesus is speaking here, says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I am with you always. There you have it. The next time the enemy comes challenging you, where's God? God's left you. Quote, read, declare Matthew 28, 20. He is always with me. He will always be with me. Hebrews 13 and 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, here we go, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will Never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I have a question. Can God lie? Is it possible for God to lie? Obviously, the answer to that is no, because the moment God, if God were to lie, he would cease to be God, because there's no way that a perfect God can, can lie. <laughs> So he cannot lie. And he says here, I will never leave you or forsake you. We also know that he speaks to us through his word. And the scripture tells us heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. This verse is in the word of God that is eternal. I've told this before, but one time my wife and I were meeting with, with brother Ron Libby and and uh, he was ministering to us, and, and he asks us, asked us the question, where's God? Which is a question many of us have asked from time to time. Where's God? And he responded like this. He said, I'll tell you where God is. God is right here. 
And God is always right here because God fills all space. How can a God who fills all space ever leave us? How can he ever abandon us? Because if it was possible for him to leave us, then he would violate his word. Now again, I, I want you to kind of get both sides of this. Uh, there is significance, there is importance to the manifested presence of God. Knowing that, wow, I, I know, I can feel, I can sense the presence of God is in this place. There is, a, there is a need for that. There is a time and a place for that. But there's also, and, and, and again, it's really more so the burden that I have this morning, there is this revelation and understanding of the presence of God not being simply about whether I feel Him or not. We absolutely need those face-to-face -face encounters with God. It's okay for my wife and I to go through a day in the same house and, and there's a sense of uh, uh, security, there's a sense of comfort to that. But then on a, on a daily basis, sometimes that, that time may be longer than others, but on a daily basis there, that we, we have a need, we feel a need for a face-to-face -face connection. And, and so again, it's the same way with God. It, it, no, I'm not here this morning to tell you it's good enough to just always live satisfied that God fills all space and so I'm in His presence. You need to have a hunger and a desire for that, uh, that, that manifestation. But also the significance of dwelling, as the psalmist said, dwelling in the secret place, dwelling in the presence of the Most High. I will never leave you nor forsake you. One other verse along these lines is Matthew 18 and verse number 20. And it says this way, it says this, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Message Bible says it this way, When two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I will be there. You can be sure that I will be there. Now, just to be clear here, if you read the context of Matthew 18 and verse 20, it's the, the primary uh, application of that verse is not about it a church service or a gathering or a coming together of the body of Christ. That's, that's really not. In fact, it's talking about some, uh, some sort of some judicial things there, some handling of problems in the church. But as is the case with pretty much every verse, every passage in Scripture, there is, there is usually a primary application, but then there are also a variety of other applications and principles from that verse. And so while this verse may not specifically be talking about the gathering together of a group of people for uh, some kind of ministry activity, I believe the principle of what this verse is saying can be applied to that. And when two or three of us gather together in His name, He said, I am. Actually notice he didn't even say I will be in the midst. He said I am. It's a done deal. It's a set thing. wonder how many times we've gathered together in again in a variety of, of sort of ministry settings and we have questioned and wondered is God here? Is God really here today? Well again either God is a liar, which would mean he is not God, or it is a certainty that when we come together in his name, he says, I am in the midst. So I, I, I want to, I want to, I guess, maybe shift a little bit, and it's kind of going to be the, uh, to some degree, I guess, the, the uh, focus of the remainder of, of this uh, time this morning. 
I hope that that's enough to sort of establish. And, and obviously, as you well know, there is so much more throughout Scripture that, that uh, deals with the significance, whether it's the word in the English language presence or again, like in Psalms 91 and 1, that, you know, the, the secret place of the Most High, which to me represents the presence of God. It, it, it is, there, the, the Bible is full of stuff about the significance, the importance of the presence of God. But there's another side that I think is so critical, and that is our, uh, our desire towards the presence of God. Psalms 27, verse number 1, it says it this way, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Here it is. Listen to the, listen, I believe David wrote the 27th Psalm. Listen to what David says here. One thing. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. The Amplified Bible says that verse this way, One thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek, inquire for, and insistently require. This isn't, this isn't a passing request. This isn't a, a once-in-a-lifetime wish. We have, you know, whether, whether you actually have a literal, or literal one or not, many of us could sort of come up with a few things on our bucket list. We have a bucket list. I think some people have literally written down their bucket list, things they want to do in their lifetime. I, I've never written it down, but uh, I, I've had a few things. One of them I've been blessed to already experience, and that was a trip to Alaska. That was, that was on my bucket list. But David, David says, I, I'm narrowing everything down to one thing. And I'm 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 insistent about it. That uh, that my my didn't finish my point. My point about the bucket list was, you know, it, it may or may not happen. You may get a chance to do what's on your bucket list. You may hope and wish for it. But there's also a chance that there's some things that are they're they're beyond your resources. They're beyond your ability. This is not that way. David's saying. I think I could say it this way. There's one thing that I absolutely must have. And I am, I am going to be persistent about getting it. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord in His presence, the Amplified says. All the days of my life to behold and gaze upon the beauty, the sweet attractiveness and the delightful loveliness of the Lord and to meditate, consider, and inquire in His temple. There's one thing that I require that I may dwell in His presence. One thing that I require. Again, the uh, Passion Translation says it this way, Here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with Him every moment in His house. Finding the sweet loveliness of His face filled with awe, delighting in His glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to Him that He takes pleasure in my every prayer. As I'm sure most of you well know, that's not intended there to be a literal thing of the house of the Lord. That's not referencing a church building. 
It's, rep, it's referencing the present, living and dwelling in the presence of God. David said, uh, actually I'm not sure if David wrote the 20 or the 73rd Psalm, 71st, 73rd. I ought to know since I reference it many times. But he was talking about his struggle and and about his steps which had almost slipped because of looking at the prosperity of the wicked. And then, and then he, he makes this statement, until I got into the, and the, and the King James says, until I got into the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. And again, really what David was talking about is, when I got in the presence of God, my thinking changed. My, my outlook, my perspective changed. One thing, have I desired. The commentary called the treasury of David says this with regards to this verse. Our desires of the Lord should be sanctified, humble, constant, submissive, fervent, and it is well if, as with the psalmist, they are all molten into one mass. Under David's painful circumstances, we might have expected him to desire repose, safety, and a thousand other good things. But no, he has set his heart on the pearl and leaves the rest. That will I seek after. His holy desires must lead to resolute action. The old proverb says, wishers and wooders... W-O-U-L-D-E-R-S. Wishers and wooders are never good housekeepers, and wishing never fills a sack. Desires are seeds which must be sown in the good soil of activity, for they will yield no harvest. Desires are seeds which must be, which must be sown in in the good soil activity, for they will yield no harvest. It Really, it kind of ties in with last week, do something. <laughs> All the seeds of the Spirit and the Word of God to get put into us, there must be action on our part for them to produce something. We shall find our desires to be like clouds without rain unless followed up by practical endeavors. What are those practical endeavors? Prayer. Worship, reading of the Word of God, interacting with the things that bring us into the presence of God. We shall find our desires of activity to be like clouds without rain unless followed up by practical endeavors that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For the sake of communion with the king, David longed, the king, the king of kings, David longed to dwell always in the palace. So far from being wearied with the services of the tabernacle, he longed to be constantly engaged in them as his lifelong pleasure. He desired above all, above all things, to be one of the household of God a home-born child living at home with his father. One thing have I desired. Psalm 42 and verse 1 says it this way, As the heart, H-A-R-T, that's a kind of deer, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Can I, I ask you, do you have that kind of a hunger and a passion for the presence of God? Not a momentary entering into and exiting of the manifested presence of God. Again, I didn't realize I had used it so many times here this morning, but once again, the Passion Translation, verse number one, I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure, and here's the word again, flowing from your presence. I long to drink of you, drinking deeply from the streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. 
in His presence. There are pleasures forevermore in His presence. My longings overwhelm me for more of you. I don't know of a person. <laughs> and if you are out there, you are absolutely the exception to the rule. I don't know of a person who has not been overwhelmed in some way in the last 10 months with regards to circumstances going on around us. Overwhelmed. And most of the time when we talk about overwhelmed, we talk about it in a more so of a negative context. But here it says, my longings, my longings for the presence of God overwhelm me. I can't get away from them. My soul thirsts, pants, and longs for the living God. I want to come and see the face of God. I can't live without it. I'm not going to be content without it. I, I'm not going to be content without the confidence, the absolute certainty that I am living and dwelling in the presence of God, that I am I'm living my life in a way to not do anything to offend the presence of God. See, that's something... in. I wish I had time to really get into it this morning. I don't. It's not necessarily the main thing I felt. But there, 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 is, there is a responsibility of us to, to protect the presence of God. To, to conduct ourselves. To live in a way. To think about things that are going to protect the presence of God. We, we oftentimes, I think, take for granted. You know, I can just, I can live however I want to live. I can do what I want to do. Think about what I want to think about. And, and God's presence is going to be there. That's not the case because He's a holy God. And a holy God dwells in a holy place. David's desires, these psalms that I have just read to you, one thing is I, one thing that I have desired of the Lord, and and as the heart panted, listen to what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah twenty nine. I'll begin with verse eleven. I think everybody ought to have verse eleven of Jeremiah twenty nine memorized and know it by heart. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And if we could ever fully lay hold of that verse, it wouldn't matter what we're facing. It wouldn't matter what we're going through. It wouldn't matter what the circumstances were for us in the world, in our families, in, in, in an individual way. God has an expected end. Verse 12. Then shall you call upon me, and you'll go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You're going to go and pray and I'm going to hear you. But, but I want you to watch this. God puts a qualification on this. You're going to seek me and find me. But here's when you're going to find me. When you search for me with all of your heart. When you search for me with all of your heart. Not a half-hearted, casual, you know, God, it'd be nice to en encounter you. It'd be nice to be in your presence. No, when you're overwhelmed by the hunger and the desire, when you do it with all of your heart. I've used this many times before. And I, I, I don't know if she came up with it first or heard it someplace else first, but uh, for as long as I can remember, it's it's been a thing in our household. If my wife asks someone to go look for something myself or one of the kids and she tells us where it is and we come back and we tell her it's not there, we can't find it and, and she knows it's there and we know it's not there and, and so she'll say this, look for it like your life depended on it. And wouldn't you know, there have been a few times I've gone back 
not necessarily really thinking my life depended on it, but going back to the same spot and looked again, and it was right where she said it was. I wonder how many times we seek for God like our life depended on it. The sad thing is this, our life depends on it. What a tragic thing for us to take the presence of God as being something we can live with or live without. You're going to find me when you search for me with all your heart. And, and watch this. I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Anybody feeling bound today? Anybody feeling like there's things that's got you captive today? If you would make up your mind, God, I am going to seek for you with all of my heart. I'm going to seek for your presence with all of my heart. He says, you're going to be found of me. And when you're found of me, I'm going to turn things around for you. The Amplified says, verse 13, this way, Then you will seek me, inquire for, and require me as a vital necessity. And find me when you search for me with all your heart. Message Bible says it this way. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree, bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. There's a story in the book of Genesis of Jacob and Jacob's encounter with God, he's basically, not basically, he is running for his life. He's deceived his brother. He's stolen the birthright, and he's now fleeing for his life. He lays down, goes to sleep, has an encounter with God. Actually, I got my timing off here. That was the initial. This verse is actually, he's been gone. He's coming back now, I believe. And it's in this process. He has this encounter with God. It is because he crosses over the brook. He sends all of those that were with him ahead. He remains by himself. And he has this encounter. There are some things that you will only ever get in your relationship with God in your walk with God, in your ministry with just you and God. There are, there are extremely valuable things that happen in our walk with God, ministry, etc. In, in some kind of a group setting, uh, a church service, a conference, youth camp, youth advance, uh, uh, an oikos gathering, whatever, whatever other setting where you are in the in a group of people, a prayer meeting, pause, call the war, whatever. There are there are very significant things that God does, as many of us have experienced in those settings. But but there's some places you will only ever get to. There's some things you will only ever get with just you and Jesus. Nobody else. Not a preacher, not a prophet, not an evangelist, not a worship team, not no one else. Just you and Jesus all by yourself. And this is where Jacob was. And he has this encounter with the angel and this wrestling match. And I want you to, I want you to notice what he says in verse 26, Genesis 32, 26. And he said, the angel says, let me go, 
for the day breaketh. And I want you to listen to listen to Jacob's response. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not quit. I will not give up until you bless me. It's uh, it's not a um, it's not a term you're going to find in the King James Bible, but I think it's a term that has some truthfulness to it, and and it's a term that's been around for a long time, and that is that's the that's the term you need to pray through. You need to pray through. Sometimes you just got to go pray through. Sometimes you just got to go find a place to pray and make up your mind. I will not leave this place until I know I have had an encounter with God. And I'm going to tell you, it is very unlikely that that's going to happen in five or ten minutes. I will tell you, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen in just an hour. Moments like that, Moments like Jacob had where he was transformed. The scripture tells us his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And from this point forward, he had such an encounter that there was a physical change. The Bible says the the angel touched the hollow of his thigh. And from this moment forward, Jacob walked with a limp. If you want such an encounter with the presence of God that it brings about a notable significant change in your life from that point forward. It's only going to come in times where you make up your mind, God, I will not let you go until you bless me, until you touch me, until I know I'm delivered, until I know I'm set free. One point in the past... (laughs) talking to Brother Shelton. In fact, I think this particular setting was a conversation that my wife and I, we were in the three of us together, and he made a, he made a very profound point. Uh, and as he says, that point and 25 cents will get you a cup of coffee. But he made this point. As long as you say, and, and, and I will give you more so the context was, with regards to a challenging situation someone was going through. As long as you say, I can't take this anymore, you actually are still in a place where you can. He said, it's not until you get to the point where you say, I won't take this anymore, that something finally changes. I, I, I've never, I'd never thought about that before, but when he said it, and since then, the times I've thought about it, how true it is. And I, I've been at points in my life where there are things I was dealing with, and I said, I, I just can't take this anymore. And guess what? Days, weeks, months would continue on with that same thing that I said I can't take anymore. But when you really truly reach the point that you don't say I can't, you say I won't. That's when you take action. When you reach the point to say, I won't do this, I won't take this anymore, you start taking the steps to to fix, to change the circumstances. At what point are you and I going to make up our minds? Not that I can't live without the presence of God. Not that I can't live without knowing God is truly with me but I won't. I won't live another moment, another day without the certainty that I'm dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. That I'm dwelling in the house of the Lord. Again, yes, times in which I am encountering His manifested presence. As I've said throughout this morning, something beyond just that good feeling we get sometimes, something beyond just what we experience in some kind of a ministry setting, a confidence. When I 
get in my car and leave my house, I'm in his presence. When I walk into the workplace, and even though that's the church building for me, when I walk into the workplace, I know he's with me. When I go to the store, when I go to a restaurant, when I, when I go any place else, I can know I am engaged. I am encountering his presence. It's a wonderful thing to say we can't live without God. We can't live without his presence. But how about we agree to make up our minds and to begin to live with the attitude, I won't. I won't live without his presence. I won't live without the certainty that I am dwelling in his house. I, 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 uh, I think it was somewhere in my mid to late teenage years. I don't really know what prompted it. But I began to try to live without a, a, I don't know if I should say without a desire, but without a consistent need for feeling the presence of God. I can remember, in fact, I can remember we had some evangelists here. Um, I think his first name was Dennis. I think his last name was Lewis, Brother Dennis Lewis, I believe. It was in the old sanctuary, and he and his wife were here for uh, an extended period of time. If I'm not mistaken, I think they had a trailer they stayed in somewhere on the hill or somewhere, but I don't really remember all the details of what was going on. I think I was somewhere in my mid-teens at that point, and and I, I, I don't know what prompted it. I guess maybe she just felt some kind of a burden for me, but uh, Brother Lewis's wife, Sister Lewis, was talking to me, ministering to me, and I can remember expressing to her my frustration or concern over not feeling the presence of God. And she began to take it on as a burden of hers to pray for me. And, and I don't remember verbatim conversations, but from time to time as they were here, she would kind of check up on me. And, and I can remember, I think this was a little bit later than that, I can remember a few times uh, getting up out of my bed late at night, middle of the night, laying down on the floor and praying and, and, and sort of crying out to God because I, I didn't feel His presence. And um, I, I, I sort of hate to say this, but a lot of times I got up and went back to bed and still didn't feel his presence. <laughs> or at least I didn't think I felt his presence. And, and I think it was somewhere through all of that I began to make up my mind. I don't want my relationship with God. I don't want my walk with God to ever be dependent upon feeling. I don't want it to ever be dependent upon a need to feel God. Because if we live with that need, if we live with that, I've, I've got to feel God to know God is there, you're going to go through some really difficult times. I mean, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross asks the question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think in the context of that question, we could say it this way, and it's sort of saying the same thing. My God, my God, where are you? <laughs> but when I can get to the place that I know I'm doing the things that caused me to live in his presence. I'm, I'm interacting with his word through my prayer, through praise and through worship. I'm spending time reading his word and learning more about him. I'm submitting myself to his will and his purpose for my life. And whether I feel something or not, I can have the confidence that I am dwelling in his presence. 
And when I am in his presence, anything is possible. Healing, deliverance, provision, direction, anything is possible in his presence. Father, I want to thank you once again that in this day and time we now live in, you provided a way, a tool, a resource for us that in circumstances like this where we are restricted from coming together in a physical location, we can still join together through technology. And I thank you again as we experienced so many times last year, but I want to thank you again today for once again demonstrating that you are able to manifest your presence to each one of us individually. We may not be in the same physical place, but God, you are where we are. And I thank you for that this morning. I pray today, God, as we embark on this week of engage and focusing on engaging your presence, I pray that there would be a strengthening in each one of our lives of, of our commitment of our, of our dedication to living a life that is abiding in your presence. I pray, God, that you would let there be. I pray even that in this week you would let there be some of those times of clear, undeniable manifestation of your presence where it's more than just knowing you are there because you fill all space, but it is knowing you're there because we can feel, we can sense you doing something in us. We can sense you touching us. But also, God, I am praying that as we go through this week, there would be a solidifying of our confidence that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You are, you are always with us, even to the end of the world. And that when two or three of us gather together in your name, we don't have to ask or wonder or hope or wish. You said you are there. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, I pray this morning, I know you've already, I believe you've already touched hearts and lives as we have sung earlier, you have ministered. But I pray as we close this morning, that those that are battling with fear and anxiety, those that are battling with depression, those that are, that are battling with hopelessness, discouragement, and physical things, I pray, God, that they would get into your presence. And that as they get into your presence, you would do what you do, and that is you begin to touch you begin to minister, you begin to heal, you begin to help us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen.